Hey guys, you're now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. Ready to go? No. We're doing it. It's happening. Oh, all right. I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, get started. Father, we just love you. We thank you and we honor you for who you are. We just bless your name today. We give our lives to you. Um, I just pray that you would um, let my words be your words today, Father. Um, Holy Spirit, would you come and move upon each one of our hearts and our minds? Um, open our ears and open our eyes to see you clearly, to understand the truth that's in your word, um, and that we may understand worship in a deeper way so that we can worship you rightly. That's really what we want to do. We want to give you what's appropriate, uh, considering your greatness, your majesty, your glory, and all of that. So we just love you. Um, and yeah, that's it. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. 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 Um, so quick review, I kind of reviewed a little bit the two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we talked about worship being a manifestation of our maturity as believers. I said a couple things that one, we must first be educated about who God is. And when we learn about who God is, that can lead to us being able to exalt him, which is E-X-U-L-T, exalt um, which is uh, learning how to enjoy and experience God in His presence. Um, I've used the phrase off and on of like having a light in your head, like a light in the attic and a fire in the heart. And that's what the Lord wants. He doesn't want us to shut our brain off during worship, and He doesn't want us to shut our heart off during worship. He wants both to be engaged, but it's not just so that we can experience Him, but that we can respond to Him which leads to exaltation, step three, E-X-A-L-T, which is magnifying and declaring his beauty, his goodness, and his greatness in our lives. That's the ultimate fruition of worship. Um, But we have to do those things in order. So we have to learn him first. We have to learn how to, like, we have to learn about who he is, which leads to us enjoying him, and then leads to us responding to our enjoyment of him. And there's a lot of Christians who don't have pleasure in the Lord, that don't know how to delight in Him, because we haven't been taught. You know, it hasn't been a focus in the church. The focus has been, don't be sinful. That is not what God's after. God wants you to enjoy Him. Um, so, shared, we shared that. We uh, talked a little bit about... Um, Last week, we talked about worship with your emotions. Um, And I feel like that's a big one for us, is like learning how to allow your emotions to be involved in worship, while also not allowing your worships to be manipulated in worship. And we talked about that, how there are churches all over the place that can lean too far to the left or too far to the right, where, you know, they might be, one church might, all they do is feel and everything's emotional, but it goes too far and there's no, everybody's heads are off. Their, their mind is turned off. And so like anything goes and it's just out of order and wacky and crazy. Some of us have been there and we don't want that. 
then there's another side uh, of the the aisle where uh, they'll have worship in these churches and there's no fire in their heart because actually more often than not they're afraid of emotion because emotion threatens intellect and so all they have is their intellectual like minds and their good theology and that's those are good things i'm not trying to bash them i love theology you know but i said this earlier this week i think with john and angel like we don't worship our own theology we worship god we worship yahweh we're going to be wrong in some ways there's going to be things when we get to heaven we're going to see god and go oh snap (laughs) how did i not see this you know um so don't worship your own theology. The, the main thing is there's two sides of the aisle and we want to be in the middle. There is a space in the middle for worship where your heart can be 100% involved and your mind can be 100% involved. And they're not taking away from one another, but they're working together so that we can fully, one, experience him and know him and then fully uh, respond to him in an appropriate way. Um, we talked about David dancing before the Lord and dancing with all his might. And one thing that stood out for me in that one, I love when, uh, just how extravagant worship like David was doing always brings on criticism. And that's why it's such a risk to worship in the right way because it will bring on criticism. Um, but David responded to criticism, and this is what I encourage everybody. If you feel like something in your head's telling you don't enter into worship in this way or that way or whatever, respond like David responded to his wife, saying, Woman, I will become more undignified than this. <laughs> and I love that so much. Like, you think this is enough? Like, no, this is not enough. I'm going to go further. Um, because worship is not about others. It's not about our, uh, really, it's not about our theology. It's about God and who he is. And I don't think there's enough that we can do to express how wonderful that he is. But we want to go on a journey where we try to learn how to. And at, at least attempt. Just because you can't doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Cool? So, today, we're going to talk about how worship is not just intellectual or emotional but it's also physical um, and so we're going to go through a couple things but does somebody have their bible and they can go to romans 12 yes. thanks john get after it does anybody need a bible yeah we've got bibles over here so if anyone needs one yes no okay Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Romans 1? Mm-hmm. Or 12, sorry. Romans 12. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. I, was, I was messing them up. Romans 12, uh, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Cool. So in talking about physical worship, what stands out to you in this these two verses? 
What is Paul trying to tell us about worship? Huh. Yeah, yeah. Just to, to live a life sacrificing for the, for the gospel. Right. What does he t- ask you to sacrifice? Your bodies. Right. What kind of sacrifice? Living. Living. Active. Engaging. Holy. Yeah. A living sacrifice. That is holy and acceptable to, to God. I love that. There, there was in the early church after uh, Jesus and during the time of the disciples and Acts and all that stuff, there began to be this theme of people who wanted to become martyrs, but not really because of like their love for the Lord, but because of the honor that comes with a martyr's death. And so it became an issue where there's a lot of people that just lived a way where they would hopefully become a martyr and didn't have the same heart for God that like someone like Stephen did, where Stephen wasn't trying to get killed actively. All he was doing was standing for the gospel, and that got him killed. Um, and I think a lot of us can, it's like a cop-out way of living a, a holy life. Yeah. Is like, I just got to die. But God wants you to live. If he gave you life, right. be a living sacrifice. That's better than a dead sacrifice. Become a living sacrifice because that can continue going. Um, All this language in that first verse is all physical. That word body, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, the Greek word, I don't even have to look at it and I can tell you what it means. Body. I'm sure it is soma, which means body. Um, He's talking about our physical selves who we are like um and so this is a part when I want to come to worship you know we talked about um that there are people that can worship and it can be distracting I think sometimes in worship when people are clapping or jumping around or shouting or dancing or waving flags and stuff like that if we don't have the if that's not what we grew up in, or if we don't have a theology that allows for that. And so today I want to at least look at the Bible and show where either that's, is that stuff biblical or is it not? Like, how can we give our bodies to the Lord in worship that's pleasing to Him? You know, does, am I allowed to clap my hands? Am I allowed to jump around and sing and dance? You know, what does that look like? Um... So, I wish Cam was here. It's such a bummer. But Cam taught uh, months ago on uh, the nefesh, which is the old Hebrew word for soul. Mm -hmm. Does anybody remember that? I think we were at Gabby's house when he taught it. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Ian remembers. Um, So, basically, the, the premise of Cam's teaching was that in the Old Testament, when uh, the word nefesh was used which is translated oftentimes in the Old Testament as soul, what the the real thought behind the word was is that it meant your whole being. Yeah. So it wasn't like your soul was this like spiritual, invisible being that lives on the inside of you that you can't touch, you can't see. Like that, That's not how the Jewish writers were trying to portray the idea. When they said soul, they meant 
your like your heart, your mind, and your body all in one. They were all the same thing. And so, and we've talked about this quite often here at this church, the Greek thought uh, versus Hebrew thought when it comes to uh, spirituality. Um, we got a lot of that from David Pawson. I think I have his book. I know I've got the book somewhere. But um, it's just really interesting to see where our thought processes on religion come from uh, because the Greek thought would say that uh, your religion to God is purely spiritual. You know, like you're going to, this body, you don't need to take care of this body because, well, you're going to die one day and you won't have a body. You'll have a spirit. You'll have a soul. And that's what's going to go to heaven. And uh, so they also believe like, you know, work is like, something that you don't really want to do. So they worked really hard for the first 30 years of their life, 30, 40 years, so that they can make enough money to retire early so that they could live a life of leisure. And, I mean, that sounds very familiar for us because I think that's, like, super common practice nowadays. People are retiring at, like, 20. Dog. It's crazy. Um, But that all is derivative of Greek thought. The Jewish thought of what your your body was is that your body was going to be redeemed in the end. Your body is your way of worshiping to the Lord. The way you take care of your body, the way you tend to it, the way in which you work was all worship. And so that's why they worked six days a week. And that's why the Lord instituted Sabbath, so that they would take a day off. But work was so important to them. So I bring that whole argument back up. We've talked about it a ton, but because it's per, it's come into the way in which we worship. I think a lot of people in America, when they go into worship, they're opening their eyes and looking for a spiritual experience that uh, maybe moves their heart, makes them feel good, makes them feel goosebumps, and thinking that it's this spirit-to-spirit connection, um, which I'm not saying that it is not that, but it, that's like one side of it. Because there's also a whole thing about your body being involved in worship. And the way you dance, the way you move, the way you, sh- you know, shake around and do stuff like that. That is also like, if not as much, even if you felt nothing the entire worship service, the way in which you danced was important to the Lord. Um, does that make sense? Does that... Everybody tracking with me? Because I know that when we go into that stuff, it can be kind of deep. Um, so, yeah, I just, I want us to <clears throat> have a full picture of worship and not shut ourselves off to the good things God has for us. Yeah. So, speaking of <clears throat> Jewish thought, we're going to do something that, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I wish I... I would love to do it in a longer form study, but we're just going to go really briefly through it today. But has anybody ever heard of the seven, seven Hebrew words of praise? Mm, no. So there's a really good study. There's, Is that where the candles? No. Oh, that's, <laughs> no. that's that's uh That's Hanukkah. That's the... <laughs> yeah. The Yamaka? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the uh The so the seven Hebrew words of praise. In the Old Testament, there's actually over like 40 different words for praise. And I think there's another like five to ten, maybe more in the New Testament. 
there's all these different words for praise, which should already start helping our minds see that this is really important. So important that the authors use this many words to describe it. Um, but there's um, a really good study on seven of the more popular words of praise from the, uh, in, in the Old Testament. So I'm going to read some of them to you and read some verses. Um, I just want you to hear, like, when these writers, the reason this is important is because words are very important. When the writers were writing these words, there was intent behind them that does not always translate to English when we read our Bibles. So that's why we go back and study the words and what the original thought was behind the word. Because it can give us more insight into what the writer is trying to describe to us. You know, we hear worship, and what do you think? When you first hear worship, what do you think of? Singing. Singing. Obedience. 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 Yeah. There's plenty of other... I'm sure everybody has a different thing that comes into their mind. But we want to understand what was the what came into the writer's mind when he wrote down worship. Because the way I think of worship is different from the way in which John thinks of worship. So the way the writer thinks of worship is different from me. Cool? Alright, first Hebrew word is halal. Does somebody have their Bible? Yeah. I'm going to need people who are quick and speedy to get it. Halal? Isn't that like the food? <laughs> nah. Oh, there's a, a restaurant named Halal? There, it's like that, Petra Halal food. It, but it's crazy. It's, halal is like the kind of food Muslims can eat. It has okay. to be Halal. Okay. I thought Halal was like Halal. Yeah, but in a library. It might be. So, the verse? the verse, first one is Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3. Someone else go to Psalm 150, verse 1. And then somebody do Psalm 149, verse 3. Me. Cool. All right, I got Psalm 150. All right, and I'm just going to read this definition. So halal is a primary Hebrew root word for praise. So our English word hallelujah comes from this base word. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, to show, and to rave, to celebrate, and to be clamorously foolish. So, so this is the word that's used. So Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3. Who's got that? John? All right, you read that. Praise the Lord. Praise Halal. Praise Go ahead. The, uh, praise the Lord. Praise the servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From, sing, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That word praise there, all, every time, is halal. So it's not just this thing of like, praise the Lord, and we sit down in our seats and just, praise the Lord. It's like, praise the Lord, get up and celebrate. Be clamorously foolish. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we've all been to concerts where we're like, <laughs> you know, like, this is what it's calling forth for our bodies to respond. Angel, do you have the next one? Yeah, 150. 150, verse 1. Praise the Lord. I was waiting for you to say halal. Halal. Yeah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Halal. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Yep. 
Mel, you want to read yours? Yeah, what is it again? 149. Psalm 149, verse 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. Cool. So, praise him. Halal him. Celebrate him in a dance. Be clamorously foolish. Celebrate. Boast about him. Cool? We get the picture? Yeah. All right. That sounds pretty physical. I don't think there's many metaphors for be clamorously foolish. <laughs> the second one is yada. Everyone say yada. I need three people again. Someone go to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. Who's got it? Twenty. Verse twenty-one. Maggie, if you're taking notes, I, you just let me know if you need me to repeat anything. I'm there. Yada. Y a d, a h. Yep. Somebody else go to Psalm sixty-three, verse one. Got it. And then somebody else go to Psalm one hundred seven, verse fifteen. Second Chronicles chapter twenty. John. All right, so I'm going to read this meaning. This is the word yada. So yada is a verb with a root meaning. It means the extended hand to throw out the hand. Therefore, to worship with an extended hand and to lift your hands. According to the lexicon, the opposite meaning is to bemoan or the wringing of hands, like. Keeping your hands by your side, playing with your fingers, like that's the opposite of yada. Oh, okay. I was like, that's creepy. So the the idea of yada is that your hands are extended, pushing out. We've seen that in worship. We've seen people do that. Uh, and it is the opposite of keeping your hands by your side and playing with your fingers and stuff. Cool. Cool. Who's got Second Chronicles, John? Yeah. Okay. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Give yada to the Lord. His loving kindness is forever. Yada. Not his loving kindness is forever. Do you see? Does that... Did you, uh, okay, before we go to the next part, and you, you guys are all smart, and some of you like psychology, body language can say way more about how somebody's feeling than how they're actually talking, than their words, right? Mm-hmm. We know that. I know, I can come home, I can read Mo's body language before she ever says a word. She can read my body language before, she ever, before I ever say a word. She knows if I'm off, she knows if I'm happy. She, know, she can just look at me and tell. Yeah. That's really important. We can communicate with our body. So when we go into worship, not only are we trying to sing to him and trying to tell him how we actually feel about him, but also like show him with our bodies, like, you really do matter to me. You're the only one that matters. My hands are up. I'm giving my hands to you in, in reverence. Cool? Next verse. Yeah, or like this. Give thanks to the Lord. (laughs) Psalm 63, verse 1. Who got it? A psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. You, God, are my God. 
earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. Keep going. Is that Psalm 63 verse 1? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Yep. I will bless thee as long as I live, and I will, yada, lift up my hands in thy name. Interesting, it doesn't sound like this is a, uh, a public cry of affection from David. This is more a private thing and it sounds it's pretty deep i i desire you more than anything so what i'm going to do is i'm going to respond by putting my hands up and worshiping you i'm letting go of everything else and i'm just giving my hands to you cool yada psalm 107 verse 15 So your translation's a little different, and that's fine, but mine says, oh, that men would praise. And yours says, I think, give thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So that give thanks or that praise is yada. Lift your, oh, that men would lift their hands for the Lord, for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Cool? Mm-hmm. What translation do you have now? My New King James says, oh, give thanks too. Yeah. I don't know what... I'm reading a PDF document, so I don't know what translation they're using. Yours says, gives what? Mine could be, mine just says praise. Praise and give thanks. Yada is a word that actually a lot of it means give thanks. But it's, that's why, like, the hands are involved of, like, this is me giving thanks to you, Lord. Like, this is me thanking you. Not just with my tongue, but with my, my body language. All right. Word number three, Tauda. Tauda. Like Chowda, but Tauda. T O W D A H. Uh, I got two verses here. Somebody got it? Psalm 50. You can probably read both of them because they're in the same chapter. Psalm 50, verse 14, and then verse 23. Psalm? Oh. Yep, so I'm going to read the, the definition first. So Tauda is very similar to Yada. It's got the same root word, Da. But it, the, the beginning is what changes, Tau and Ya. So Tauda comes from the same principal root word as Yada, but is used more specifically. Tauda literally means an extension of the hand in adoration, a vowel, or acceptance. By way of application, it is apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it is used for thanking God for things yet not received, oh, wow. as well as things already at hand. So basically, I, I like that. It's an extension of the hand in adoration and a vowel or acceptance. Like, I'm either, I can adore you with my hands, I can give my life to you with my hands, and I can accept you, accept what you've given to me with my hands. All of it's the same. And different. You can do hand, open palms, you can do forward palms, like, that's not really what's in question. It's the idea of lifting your hands. But I love the idea of worshiping before something has been yet received. Giving thanks for it before it's ever happened. Man, you will, if you're praying for something in your daily life, like if you're not feeling it yet, 
like I'm not I don't feel like I want to worship every day and I don't trust me I'm right here with we're all in the same place just raise your hands and just say Lord I, I give it all to you and I give thanks that you know right now I don't feel like it but I give thanks because I know that you are faithful to give me a heart that desires you I know that you're faithful to respond to me as I respond to you right Giving thanks before it ever happens is one of the greatest measures of faith you can practice. Cool? Mm-hmm. Verse 14. Johnny. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. Mm-hmm. So offer up to God a, praise of, uh, a sacrifice of thanksgiving or a praise, but it's a, a praise of lifting your hands. Tauda. Verse 23. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Mm. Whoso offereth praise, tauda, glorifies me. So when you offer up your hands like this, you do this thing, the Lord is glorified in that. Isn't that cool? Mm. All right. I feel like it gives it so much more meaning. Yeah. I feel like I've always like raised my hands in worship just because that's the truth that I've always Right. Done. It's like I'm feeling this. Yeah. And like I want to praise him more. It's like an extension, but yeah. it like can mean so much more than yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm right. I literally did it just because everybody else did it. Nobody ever taught me why we raise our hands in worship. Yeah. Sometimes they would say like it's reverence to the Lord. Or it's, you know, Submission. you yeah giving up your own desires and giving it to the Lord. It's like surrender. And that all is good. This is just way more powerful when you're reading it straight from Scripture, mm-hmm. straight from the Old Testament. I mean, this is seven of like over 40 words. Bro, I promise you one time it was explained, someone explained it at church that when a cop is telling you to walk towards them, it's with your hands up. That, that's exactly what the word means. Uh, Yadath. Yeah. It's exactly the a, a very similar idea. I think it's Yada. Uh, it was just not funny when, I, when he told the kids well, that. Well, <laughs> yeah. But the idea is that we always surrender to an authority that's greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the picture of the cop, while, yes, it's, like, scary. Like, hopefully we never, none of us are ever in that position where we have to, the cop says, put your hands up. But why do we put our hands up if the cop says to put your hands up? Because he has greater authority than us. Yeah. And that's a way of us recognizing his authority. Oh, I mean, I came up with that, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, idea. sorry, yeah, yeah, for sure. That was a good one. No, it's crazy that that actually is, like, very much part of the Jewish thought. Yeah. You know, but, like, so with the Lord, us raising our hands is definitely a show of, I'm respecting and giving reverence to the fact that, God, you have all authority. And I'm I don't. So alright, next word. Shabach. 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 S-H-A-B-A-C-H. I need someone to turn to Psalm 47 verse 1. Got you. Alright. 47 verse 1. 47 verse 1. Psalm 145 verse 4. Who got that one? Mag's got it. Cool. 
145, verse 4. And that's Mags, I think. And then Isaiah. Oh, is Mo. Okay, sorry. Y'all sound so similar. We do. The next one is Isaiah 12, verse 6. Isaiah 12, verse 6. <laughs> Got him. All right, Shabbat. Isaiah 12, verse 6. Uh huh. So I'm going to read the definition first. Shabbat means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, and to triumph. I'll say that again. Shabbat means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, and to triumph. So, if you've ever been caught off guard by somebody in the room, Jesus! Real loud. They're probably on point. <laughs> Not always. There are some people that are. This is a, a, in a true, genuine, heartfelt response. That is definitely something you would do. Shout Jesus. All right. Who's got Psalm 47? Verse 1. For the director of music of the sons of Korah, a song, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. Cool. Clap your hands, all people. Shout Shabbat to God with the voice of joy or triumph. Cool. That makes sense. Just shout to him. I've heard it. I know. Shout on to God with the voice of triumph. Old Hill song. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. All right, Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Cool. So that word praise, one generation shall praise, it shall shabach, to command thy works to another, or declare, or to triumph, to address in a loud tone. (laughs) I think that's awesome. One generation speaking down to another, just making it very clear and firm. Who God is. That is the purpose of like shouting. Mm, It's declarative. God is good. When everything else around is saying, no, no, I got bills. I got all this stuff going. God is good. No, but you, you know, your, your mom's going through a lot and your dad's just not a good guy and you got all this stuff going. No, God is good. I will stand on this. It'll change your life. Yeah. Promise. That's worship. Isaiah 12, verse 6. Shout aloud and sing for joy. People of... Is it Zion or Zion? Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Cool. Cry aloud and shout for joy. Nobody shouts when they're excited, barely. Like, if if you're filled with joy, nobody just goes, Yay! Like, no. If you're... If you're truly full of joy, yes! Or when we play COD, (laughs) oh, bro, bro, clip that, clip that. You know, like shouts of joy, excitement. Yeah. Or when John beats us in Mario Party. That's all me! All me! (laughs) Declarative. I mean, I'm saying it in jest, but it's, it's a very similar thing. That was a fact. You know? Well, yeah. We won't talk about that. All right, next word. Barack. As in Barack Obama. 
B A R A K. I got three verses here. Y'all ready? Psalm 95, verse 6. All right, Maggie, do Psalm 95, verse 6. Monica, do 1 Chronicles 29, 20. And then somebody do Psalm 34, verse 1. Ian's got it. Psalm 34, verse 1. We're almost there. All right, I'm going to read this definition. Barak means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration, or to salute. This is another one of those where it's a response of recognizing the authority of someone greater than your own self. Now, I don't want anybody sitting in this... I, I really don't want anybody in this church during worship to sit there and salute the Lord. <laughs> if you're in the corner just saluting the Lord, I mean, if, that, if you feel like that's honoring to the Lord, do it. <laughs> but if I catch you, I'm going to smack you. But to kneel down, to get on one knee, one's knees, you know, think, think in real life, like, when, when do you kneel down? Not often. I mean, usually it's to do work when I kneel down, but you kneel down on a proposal. You kneel down, uh, if, like, once again, the cop analogy, get on your knees. Get on your knees. It's a sign of respect to the authority that you uh, recognize as greater than you. Right? All right, so Psalm 95, verse 6. Let us barak before the Lord, our maker. Kneel down. That's also a, a, a sign of reverence, just like getting down on one's knees, meaning like I can't even stand before you, like in this moment. I think it's cool. What was the word? Sorry, the Hebrew word. Barak. This one's barak. Mm-hmm. All right, First Chronicles 29, verse 20. Cool. So here we see uh, David commanding like an entire group of people, the the nation, um, or whoever the assembly was. I'd have to double check who that is, but. He tells them to now bless the Lord your God or Barak the Lord your God. When we hear bless the Lord, what do we think of? Thank you. Thank you. Or you're so good to me. Just like telling him things that he's done well. This, this is why we need to understand these words because this meant to kneel down. And even more than that, not just to kneel, but to lay prostrate. Is that, did I say that right? Prostrate? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not prostate. Lay, <laughs> lay prostrate to the Lord, which means with your face like kissing the floor. Bowed down low. Yeah. It just shows like your reverence of like, you're so great. I can't, I can't even like lift my head before you. I have to be on my face. Isaiah fell on his face. Paul fell on his face. Many people fell on their face in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 1. Ian. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Yep. I will bless, or barak, the Lord at all times. Meaning, I will bless God as an act of adoration. 
or I will kneel down to him at all times, and his praise will be in my mouth. All right, this is a fun one. Zamar is the next word. Z-A-M-A-R. Zamar. I got three verses. Who's ready? Psalm 21, verse 13. Is that Mel? Yeah. First Chronicles 16, 9. Is that an angel? Psalm 57, verses 8 through 9. 6, 9, you said for Chronicles? Yeah, 16, 9. 16, 9? Yeah, 16, 9. Uh, Psalm 57, verses 8 through 9. All right, the word is zamar. Get ready for this. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, to praise, a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of music with musical instruments. Shall I read that again? Let's read it again. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, to praise, it's a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expression of music with musical instruments. Meaning, worship is not just with our, our voice and our, our, our songs to the Lord, the things we give to the Lord with our own selves, but also playing before the Lord, playing music in, in front of Him, and playing it well and skilled. Um, so, who's got Psalm 21? Is that Mel? I do, yeah. Cool. Verse 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. Cool. We will sing and zamar your power. We'll sing and play music, is what it's saying. Cool. About his power. Yep, about his power. First Chronicles 16, 9. Uh, sing to him, sing praises to him. All of his wonderful acts. Yep. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Most of the time we would read that and go, he's just being repetitive. Yeah. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. I'm pretty sure sing sing to him and sing praises, that sing praises is more a, a sing using the instrument, mm-hmm. playing with the stringed instrument. Because that word Zamar is there. Which means to play with words. I yeah. looked at the interlinear. Yeah, cool. Totally different. Totally different words. Wow, that's so cool. So sing and play before him. Mm-hmm. Speak of all his wonders. I love that. So good. Things we would miss just reading over it. Psalm fifty seven, verses eight through nine. I will sing of you among the peoples. Yep. I will sing praises, Zamar, among the nations. Play music among the nations. They'll know. Music is such a powerful force. It is crazy. I, I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit trail, but music is insanely powerful. And there are multiple stories in the Bible where just music is played and people get healed. Uh, it wards off demonic warfare. Like, music is insanely powerful. And I'll say this. There's an attack on the church today because of the worship being the big industry that it is. Well, I don't agree with how big, like, some of the things the worship industry does. One of the arguments is that, well, they play certain music because it's 
manipulative or it causes you to fall into a trance or something like that, well, I'm sorry to tell you, all music will do that to you. Right. If you're not engaged with your mind. You, you're going to tell me that worship music is more manipulative than Drake and 21 Savage. You know, no. No. Like, all music can make you feel things. Like, if you hear a sad piano, what are you going to feel? Sad. And if you turn your mind off, you'll get depressed. But if your mind's intact, you can listen to that sad song and go, wow, that's a sad song, and recognize it for a sad, sad song. Enjoy it for being a sad song, but then move on and have no lasting effects. Jafiel, so yeah. music is not the enemy. Right. Music is not the enemy. I will say that again. God created music. Music is not the enemy. And because it's so powerful, of course the enemy would want to come up with a counterfeit yeah. of something or distort it. Right. Because it can have so much power. Right. All right. Last word. Tehala. Tehala. It's T E H I L L A H. Tehala. I need, I got two verses. Last two verses here. Psalm 22, verse 3. Angel got it? And then Isaiah 61, verse 3. Psalm 22, verse 3? Yep. I got Isaiah. You got Isaiah 61, 3? Cool. Well, they're flipping. Tehalah. I'm going to tell you what it means. Tehalah is derived from the word halal, which we did at the beginning, and means the singing of halals, to sing or to loud, 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 perceived to involve music, especially singing, and hymns of the spirit or praise. I'm going to sing, say that again. Tehala is derived from the word halal and means the singing of halals, to sing or to laud, perceived to involve music, especially singing, hymns of the spirit or praise. So these are I love that last part, hymns of the Spirit um, or praise, because like we have a hymnal, right? Those are really good songs. Some of the best written songs we have. There's also some really jacked up ones. <laughs> there, the theology is pretty messed up. But I like how it talks about hymns of the Spirit, because, and Paul talks about this in Corinthians, sing songs and spiritual songs. So singing Songs that are foundational, that we all agree are good songs that we enjoy and are scriptural and theological and good. But also follow that up with being, singing spiritual songs or songs where we're influenced by the Holy Spirit to sing prophetically. We've practiced this in worship a lot before. Um, or it's not even, doesn't even have to be a prophetic word, like a thus saith the Lord type word. It could just be an overflow of your heart speaking from your mouth. So you don't know what else to say and you just sing something like I have nothing else to say Lord but I love you I love you I love you and just pouring out like whatever comes to your mind that is the idea of like tehala cool Psalm 22 verse 3 They're asking me for a donation on that <gasps> Give it 
for the director of music to the tune of the Doe of the Morning. What's that tune? A Psalm of David. My God, my God, why... Wait, you said two, right? 22, verse 3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. Yep. All right, so the, this translation is different. Um, and I've heard this translation a lot. Thou art holy, O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And that is a staggering verse. We could spend a lot of time on that. It says that it, it calls God the one who is enthroned, or basically the idea is like he's riding on the praises of the people. And that to me just screams like this spontaneous worship thing. And I'm not talking about somebody saying something on YouTube that I really liked and now I'm going to copy it here. No, spontaneous worship is like spontaneous, truly spontaneous. It's something that comes up in the moment while you're just thinking about the Lord and you have something come to mind and you just want to respond to Him. It says the Lord is in that. He's enthroned upon the praises of His people. I love it. I think that's so cool. Isaiah 61. Johnny boy. Uh, verse 1? Uh, verse 3. You can read 1 through 3. Okay. Yeah. Give it context. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Verse 3. To grant... Uh, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Cool. Giving them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the mantle of praise, or the mantle of tehala, spiritual songs to the Lord. So good. So good. Does that help give you guys a better idea of like our bodies being involved with worship? Yeah. There's like, like I said, there's over 40 different words in the Old Testament for worship. And there's a lot in the New Testament too. A lot of it is like falling down on your face, flat on your face, um, and worshiping before Him. Um, there's other words that mean clap. There's other words that mean jump. There's other words that mean dance. And not only that, do group dances. Um, so very quickly we can go through that and we can see that the Hebrew idea or the biblical idea, because it was written by Hebrew people, the biblical idea of worship never separated your body from worship. Your body was always meant to be a part of worship. Just as much as your spiritual being. There's one song we sing here called um, You Satisfy My Soul by Laura Hackett Park. And there's a, a, a line that she sings in the song. It's like, sometimes you got to sing your way into the truth. And I love that line because... There's a lot of times where we don't feel like worshiping. But let me tell you, when you start moving your body in that direction, when you start singing before you start feeling it, it's the same as that word, tauda. 
Does anybody remember what Tauda means? Adoration. Adoration. Lifting your hands. And that was the one that was like lifting my hands in advance before I received the good thing from God and thanking him for receiving the good thing. Like, that is like such a a key part of worship. Um, And so, yeah, I just want us to like not separate the two. Um, And like we're a small group, you know. I'm just going to get real. We're we're really small. Our church worship is not going to be the same as Journey Church or Bethel Church. Uh, you know, it's not going to be the same as an Anglican church or something like that. Um, and I don't think that's wrong. Because I think worship, like the New Testament, doesn't give us a how-to like, laid-out list of what worship is supposed to look like. Like, Paul never says... He he had plenty of opportunities to talk about worship, and he did, but he never talked about, okay, when you go to worship, you know, ask the worship team to come up with five minutes left on the countdown, and then right as the timer counts off, you click in, and you guys just go, or, you know, and then we'll do three songs, and then we'll do an altar call. He doesn't say that it'll just be acoustic guitar, and it'll just be a couple people sitting around. Paul never says any of that. He doesn't give us that. So from what I read, from the way I understand the Bible, and I understand the Lord, worship is going to be different from place to place. And that's the intention, is that there's going to be difference in worship. But the things that stay the same are that we sing, and we use our body, we give our hearts to Him. All of that is part of worship. And we can't separate it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Anybody have questions? Dance? Do I remember which word it is? I don't think so. Oh, pizzazz, I think. Hold on. Hold on. I think I can find it. Hold on a second. Karar, K A R A R, means uh, to dance and whirl about. And that can be found in 2 Samuel 6. That's literally David when he was dancing. Uh, Macau, which is M-A-C-H-O-W-L, means around dance, which I think means like a when circle dance. Yeah. I have a, I have a Jewish friend, and he had a bat mitzvah, uh-huh. bat and mitzvah. they did a crazy circle dance. Yes, yes, they're very much about that. And it looks fun. Oh, there it is, pizzazz, P-A-Z-A-Z means to leap or to spring as if separating the limbs. <laughs> Did everybody hear that? Say it again. Sorry, pizzazz means to oh, yeah. leap or to stamp. So to jump or to stomp, stomp your feet. Um, oh wait, no, 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 sorry. To leap or to spring. That was the next word was stamp. So it's to leap or to spring, to jump like a deer as if separating the limbs. That's such such interesting language. Meaning jumping like so, so much. Like using all your strength to to jump. I think it's also like there's distance between body parts. Right. Yeah. Separate. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was doing <laughs> that <laughs> and a, <laughs> like a onesie, bro? Yeah. GG. <laughs> There's so many words for it. And so... Like, listen, what I've told you guys still stands true. Uh, I don't care what your worship looks like. I don't care if you sit down. I don't care if you stand up. I don't care if you lay. I don't care if you run or jump or shout. Like, all those things are appropriate and good. And I think I would love to see more of that because I think that is genuine, authentic expression of worship. And to me, it shows that you're taking authority over your own body rather than being nervous, you know? But I also don't want you to feel like that's the only way that you have to worship, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I just think I've been so excited by that because I know a lot of people that don't like dancing or moving about or jumping and doing stuff like that or say that it's not, like, biblical. Well... They have missed it. This is as biblical as you can get, ladies and gents. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to share before we go into worship. Anybody have any questions? Okay. I think we're good. I'm going to pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for today. We honor you. Um, you're so good. And uh, more than anything from today's teaching, I, I pray that we would, you would give our hearts the uh, uh, permission to respond in an appropriate way. Like we wouldn't go to a concert of our favorite artist and softly jump or softly scream how excited we are. That in itself is just wrong. No, God, we would go and we would give everything we have because we're so excited. And I pray just like David that we would give ourselves to you in worship. No matter who's around, no matter who's watching, um, that we would be able to give ourselves to you physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally every phase of life. Uh, so we just bless you. We honor you. I pray for each person as we go from here that uh, every person would be blessed and would, would grow in this. That we wouldn't just look at this and go, oh yeah, the Bible tells us we should move around, but yeah, I'm still not there yet. But we would actually cha be challenged by the word. Um, that we would read the commands of Scripture that say, these aren't just suggestions. These are commands in a lot of places. Um, so that we would take your word serious, God. And that as we do that, as we take your word serious, we would begin to see the fruit that yields uh, from taking your word serious. So we love you, we bless you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you have been blessed by today's teaching. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Oh, you have my heart.